Hello, test one, two. There we go. Thank you. We do have uh, Dale tonight who's going to be running our microphone for us. Welcome back, Roy. Glad to see you back from your your journeys and travels. And Carolyn. Uh, we're going to be, yeah, visitor card. Yeah, fill that out. I saw people introducing themselves. So glad to have you back. Uh, tonight we're continuing our discussion on angels and angelic beings. And so this week and perhaps next week, uh, three if we get into a super long discussion, but I told Meg to plan on about two weeks before she can go back to her ladies' class. But what I wanted to do tonight is talk about, is our final topic on angels, is when angels go bad, um, which is kind of hard to understand or believe, but up there in the perfection of heaven, praising and worshiping God, some angels actually did go bad. So we'll talk about that. And um, just to kind of get us started tonight, I thought it'd be kind of an interesting question to get everybody to shout out, uh, what are the different names of the devil? So, Be- Beelzebul, okay, good. Lucifer. Satan, the devil, prince of darkness, yeah, the serpent, right? All right, good. Anybody else? Yeah, Uh, he's also called an angel of light. He prances about like a roaring lion. I'll just give you a real quick list of what I compiled Based on the book, Satan, the devil, dragon, serpent, Beelzebub, Belial, Lucifer, which is a light bringer. Isn't that an interesting name? A light bringer. Uh, Evil one, tempter, god of this age, ruler of the kingdom of the air, prince of this world. Prince of this world. All right, so somebody help us out. Where did he come from? Where did Satan come from? I did. Just jump right in there in the deep end of the pool. Okay, uh, hang on a second. Let's get you a microphone for the benefit of those that are live streaming. It doesn't matter about y'all. It's people that are trying to watch on TV. All right. Well, some say that he was an angel that fell from heaven. Then there's others that say, no, that's not so. So which is it? Okay, whoa, 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 wait, don't, don't give her the don't, no, I'm not done yet. You can't just stop there. Well, no, I want the answer. I'm not going, I'm not going to be sick. If he's not a fallen angel, what would the other alternative be? A created being, is what I've. Who's not a fallen angel? Mm-hmm. A created being who's not a fallen angel. Okay. Okay. There goes the worms, let's hear it. All right, all right. Okay, anybody else? Oh, okay, Glenn. Thank you. Um, I, don't, I don't know how else you describe fallen other than said he was cast out of heaven and all these angels. Did I he mean, just trip and fall? or? That's the biggest fall there ever was. Yeah. And the creation of God was when the, the, the heaven, it said it was like a lightning bolt. 
So okay. it was a significant event, a lot of power involved, a lot of transfer of power from heaven to earth, like a lightning bolt. Just picture that in your mind, that it was that powerful, that cataclysmic. Right. So when Satan came to earth, he came in the form that we can understand of a lightning bolt, him and all of his followers. Okay. God threw them all out. He didn't leave any. And and the two, there's a choice in the matter that they made. They chose to be cast out. Don't think they didn't know what they were doing. God knew what they were doing, and they knew what they were doing. And it was an open rebellion against God, and God wasn't going to put up with it. I think Sean's got a statement, and then, if you don't mind, coming down to Wanda. Miss Wanda had her hand up as well, and I noticed her Bible was open. She's probably going to read a scripture. Didn't he think he knew more than God? Oh, he did think? Yeah. He, right. knew, he uh, thought that he knew more than God. Yeah. Would you all agree with Sean? I think that's a pretty good statement there. There was certainly some pride involved, and we will, uh, we'll talk about that some more, Sean. Thank you. Yes, Miss Wanda. I was looking in Revelations chapter 12, starting with verse 7. Yes, ma'am. Okay, stop there. Everybody open your Bibles. That was where we were going, by the way. Very good. Revelation, you played that well. Revelation 12. 12, starting with verse 7. Okay, you want to you start reading for us? Okay. Please. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Okay. So based on Revelation 12, 7, and you'll have to help me out. Where did you stop? Okay. I'm going to continue. Uh, I'll I'll read verse 9 and go down through 12. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. So he didn't fall. We know that he was physically cast down. The deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth. His angels were thrown down with him. And the writer in Revelation says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. So I'm going to stop there. And so it's pretty clear that this is uh, describing a, a conflict where he was cast down, and apparently he, he was trying to deceive or usurp God's power. A lot of people believe that Satan was a created being, an angel, and we're going to be looking at some other scriptures tonight that support that idea. So most Christians, if you were to take a survey, at least members of the church who I've spoken with, and Meg asked this question of her dad, who's an elder in North Alabama, he said, well, he's a fallen angel. The Bible's pretty clear about that. Not everyone buys into that understanding. Some people question that. They don't know for sure. But it seems to me plausible that he was cast down and he is, in fact, an angel. All right, any other questions on this text before we move on? Comments, questions, 
Yes, sir. Well, that, that was the question that I posed to this individual. And there may be others out there that wonder. Um, and I'll just go ahead and, and, and throw this out there. Some wonder, and there's a philosophy out there called dualism, D-U-A-L-I-S-E, dualism. And the understanding or philosophy of dualism is, is that evil and good have always coexisted. If evil and good have always coexisted, then maybe he's not a created being. Maybe he's a being that's been there along with God the whole time. The problem with dualism is there is absolutely no biblical evidence of that whatsoever. The other thing is, is God is the only one who describes himself as the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Everything else, if it is not God, has been a created being, including angels. So... I have personally a problem with dualism. I just don't see biblical evidence of dualism. But a lot of people struggle. Where did the devil come from? Why is he so powerful? Uh, Why did God allow him to exist? Why didn't God just destroy him? There's a lot of questions that I personally, as your teacher tonight, cannot answer. And I won't even attempt to answer. We'll just look at the Bible and maybe draw some conclusions. And so... Just know that there are people out there, Glenn, who don't necessarily buy into the fallen angel, but they don't really have any answers either. Um, The the fallen angel is the most plausible definition of Satan's existence because I believe he's a created being, and I think there's biblical evidence to support that. But I can't say absolutely positively that he is. That's just my, my understanding. So I hope that makes sense. Did I confuse everybody? To me, it's the most plausible definition of who he is and where he came from. And it seems to line up with Scripture. So, yes, ma'am. Yes. Right. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to be getting into some more Scriptures that talk about uh, those, those angels. Yes, sir. Uh, I just want to sort of clarify something before we move forward. It seems to me that the only reason that a lot of people have an objection to saying that Satan is a fallen angel is because they have this uh, presupposition that angel automatically means good guy. Ah, yeah. And that is not true. Angel is not good or bad. It's the same as human. Yes. It it doesn't mean you are holy. It doesn't mean you are evil. Right. It's just a description of a creature. Yeah. And so if we put away the notion that angel automatically means good, I think it's easier to read the text for what it says. It's a great point. Thank you so much for sharing that. Very good point. Yeah, there are angels out there that are very powerful. There are good angels. There are evil angels. There are angels that are, that are basically in the hierarchy of Satan's um, government. And so, Sean had another comment. Yes, sir. So, when we get to heaven, there's a chance, not that I want it to happen, but there's a chance that someone can fall away in heaven. That's a a fascinating question, Sean. Um, And... and Strangely enough, I had a lengthy discussion with someone this morning about that very question. 
When we get to heaven, <clears throat> everybody understand Sean's question? Will there be free will in heaven? And the, I'll just share with you uh, one view that was presented to me today, that there was free will when God created the angels in heaven, and they worshiped him and honored him. But because free will existed, uh, apparently there were some who were led away and fell. They sinned against God, right? So we know there's certainly there's free will here on earth. We can choose to be obedient or not obedient to God. Will there be free will when we get into heaven? Um, the person that I spoke to said there's no evidence that would suggest there's not going to be free will in heaven. So does that mean that we could potentially sin? I, that's, a, that's an interesting question, and I don't know that I have the answer. But I would tend to say, uh, traditionally, I've always said that there's really nothing to tempt me in heaven because I'm in the presence of God in perfection. All of the evil and sin has been cast out somewhere else. So we're basically God's elect, worshiping God 24-7. There's no nightness, no death, no darkness, no contamination from sin. So could sin arise as a result of free will in heaven? Uh, I, I seriously would have my doubts, but for me to say there's no free will, I, I don't know. I can't say definitively. The Bible doesn't really say yes or no. So I don't know that I answered your question, but that's one you can you can think about at three o'clock in the morning. So, Dennis, looks, looks to me like if there would have to be temptation there in order to have sin. That seems to be my sticking point: is what would tempt us in perfection. There, there is there is no opportunity to be tempted unless, unless, in the perfection of heaven. Back when the angels were present, someone grew prideful. That makes sense? So, it existed at one time and caused uh, a falling away. Would that same condition exist post-judgment? Mm, I don't know. Yes? My personal opinion would be that the angels would have that free will because they are able to go back and forth. They're able to come down to, ha- to earth and come here and do what God wants them to do. But I don't think that we will have that ability when we get up there. So I don't think temptation would be there for us. I think that it would be for them because they are going back and forth and traveling through different realms. Yeah, great, great theory. And I can't disagree with that either. So... I don't know that I really have a definitive answer to Sean's question. Uh, I certainly don't see any capacity or anything that would tempt me. Um, and and I'll, be, I'll be given perfect knowledge in a perfect environment. I can't even comprehend what it's going to be like there, but it'll be wonderful. And I hope that there wouldn't be a falling away take two, you know, like there was with the angelic beings. But uh, yes, Glenn? Right. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. I'm not getting any microphone on the remote. Is it on? When those occurrences happen, um, th certain things will never happen again. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 We may need to replace that battery. Thank you. All right. Sorry, our microphone's down. Okay. We, let's go to Luke chapter 10, and I think this had been referred to earlier. We're going to continue to look at some scriptures about the falling of Satan. But that's a, that's a fascinating question, and I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions or thoughts. I just see, a, I see me existing in a place of perfection and no opportunity to be tempted. If if I was tempted, I don't know that it would be perfection. So that's a hard area. Okay, Luke 10, verse 18, we see the 70 are sent out. You may recall that when the apostles returned, it was a glorious return, and they were giving them uh, a report uh, of things that they had done with joy. They said, return with joy. Lord, even the demons are subject to us. In your name, and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I don't know if Jesus is making a reference to these men are, are involved in a spiritual defeat of demonic beings, just like the devil and his angels were defeated in heaven, but Jesus made reference to seeing uh, <clears throat> Satan falling like lightning from heaven. I thought that was an interesting reference in verse 18. Let's turn now to Jude, toward the end of the New Testament. This is also a very interesting passage, and I think, Wanda, you probably made reference to, to this, but Jude, we're going to look at verse 6. All right? Well, let me go back to 5. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus was saved uh, a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has left in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. It sounds like these angels perhaps were cast out along with the devil. And uh, there's a reference that we're going to be looking at in just a moment 
uh, flip over, when you're in Jude, go ahead and go to Revelation and flip over to chapter 9. This is an interesting reference to a star that fell from heaven. The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Is it possible that that could be an obscure reference to the devil falling? Now, while you're in Revelation 9, flip over to 12, and this is the woman and the dragon. And again, I understand this is a lot of symbolism here, but... This is uh, probably the most compelling scripture that talks about angels being cast out of heaven along with the devil. By the way, this is the only reference to the one-third in in the whole Bible, I think. And another sign appeared, verse 3, in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And so that one-third could be a reference to the fallen angels along with the devil. Any comments that make sense? So what we're doing now is we're working our way toward Uh, Another reference that gives a striking description of Lucifer, Satan, and we'll be there in just a minute, but if you'll bear with me, flip over to 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter 2, and we're going to look at verse 4. Here it talks about God's judgment of false teachers, false prophets, and destruction, And then he uses the example of God not sparing angels. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Um, So angels, as you had pointed out, Will, not all angels are good angels. There were some angels who were deceived to be co uh, participants in the rebellion, a, a coup, if you will, to overthrow God on his throne. And our last one is Revelation chapter 20, and I'm going to read 1 through 4. Then we're going to get into a description of perhaps Satan. Revelation 20, 1 through 4. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit, shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years was ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. It sounds like whoever was imprisoned for a short time was then released for a little while. Are we in that period of time where maybe the great dragon has been released? Just asking out loud. All right. Thoughts or comments or questions or thoughts? Make sense? So we've seen several references to the great dragon, Satan being cast down. Now we're going to get to uh, a, probably a, I'm, I'm not going to call this controversial, but I hope I can explain this where it makes sense. 
But uh, we're going to look at a description of the king of Tyre from the book of Ezekiel. So turn to Ezekiel. All right, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel has a lot of visions and descriptions of God's punishment. Here there is a, a, a chapter dedicated to the king of Tyre. You may recall Tyre and Sidon are seaport cities not too far from, from the Holy Land, just slightly north. And um, the king of Tyre apparently is very proud. Uh, he's powerful. Um, and so this prophecy against the prince of Tyre, you kind of read along and you're like, okay, well, he's hard. It mentions, uh, uh, he says, I'm a god. I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas. Well, that makes sense since it's a seaport city. Um, they did a lot of trading uh, at the seaport city. It mentions gold and silver in verse 4. Uh, by your great wisdom and your trade, you've increased your wealth. So they've been very prosperous. He's grown proud. And so the king is being condemned for his pride. Then things take a very interesting turn when we get down to verse 11. All right, so who is this talking about? It's Ezekiel's prophecy. Oh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 28. I apologize. Ezekiel 28. Thank you. So it's a, it's a prophecy against the king of Tyre for his pride. We all get that. We understand that. But then I want to share with you something that gets interesting. Uh, it, it shifts gears in this condemnation of the king of Tyre. It's talked about his pride, his deceit, his trade, uh, and, how he, and how he's condemned. Verse 11, y'all, are y'all with me in Ezekiel 28? Everybody there? Are we good? Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the signet of perfection. What do some of your translations say? The seal. You were the seal of perfection. So whoever this king of Tyre is, he must have been beautiful or incredibly a sight to behold. All right? You were the seal of of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Then all of a sudden, this takes a strange turn. You were in Eden. Now, what is Eden? The Garden of Eden. Hmm. The Garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, Carbuncle, crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Wait a minute. Is a king created? Or is a king born by woman? Verse 14. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. Does that sound like a king from a seaport city? 
Mm -mm. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. Another thing I found interesting in verse 18, if you'll look down, he says, you profaned your sanctuaries, so I brought fire out from your midst. It consumed you. I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. So this is a very interesting description of a physical king, and some religious writers say that this may be a Hebrew style called personification, where it has a double meaning. It's describing an earthly king, but personified in this description of an earthly king is Lucifer or Satan himself. And the reason we say this, there's some things that make this uh, not probable that it would be an earthly king. For example, he, uh, he was in Eden, the Garden of Eden. We know that Satan was in the Garden of Eden. He may have actually been established as a cherub to guard the garden, but instead of guarding the garden, he led Eve astray. Uh, he looked beautiful. He was dressed uh, magnificently. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. A cherub is a type of angel. So we can either conclude the king of Tyre was an angel, or this is a personification of another being, Satan himself. I tend to believe the latter. I think this is a parallel description of the king of Tyre and Lucifer, who was, it just, it just matches his description perfectly. And I can see where these characteristics occurred and caused Satan and his fallen angels to be cast down. Unrighteousness was found in him. Verse 15, you were blameless in your ways. Initially, he was blameless from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence. In your midst, you sinned. Then it mentions that he was cast from the mountain of God. Sounds like Satan to me. What do you think? Okay. I, I just have to believe that this is a parallel description of the king of Tyre, who's very prideful, and Satan, who also is very prideful. When we get into the specifics of these verses, I think it's talking no longer about the king of Tyre. I think it's talking about Satan himself. So, interesting. Very interesting. Thoughts or comments? Yes, sir. Hang on, let's get you the mic. Mic runners are coming. Did we get it fixed? Yay. Possibly. Probably. We'll find out. Are we on? Yep. Okay. So at one point, I've gone back and forth on this verse many times about what I think it means, but yes. I think I finally settled. You did? So, okay. Um, 
I used to think, okay, well, this is just referring to the king of Tyre. Yes. And it also is, you know, using a metaphor. He's, he's like Satan. Uh, yeah, yes, I understand. And so, but then I realized, well, that doesn't really matter if it's a metaphor, because where does the metaphor come from? Um, if you're using a metaphor, then it has to be something that, you know, you can actually compare it to. If you're comparing somebody to Satan, you have to know a little bit about Satan. Right. Uh, same thing with Luke chapter 10. Even if Jesus was just complimenting how well the 72 did, saying that Satan fell from heaven means that they also had an understanding of this story of Satan falling from heaven. It's the same thing as uh, me uh, saying, uh, I don't know, uh, I can't think of any great military examples, but okay, so you were like the 300 defending Thermopylae when the Persians invaded. That's a real thing that happened. It doesn't mean that you did it, but it is a real thing that happened, and that's where the metaphor comes from. Mm -hmm. So even if this verse does not directly talk about Satan, it still reveals a lot about him, even if it's a metaphor. Yeah, I I probably would draw the line, not that I disagree, but where he's actually calling him a guardian cherub who was in the garden, like that's physically impossible for a king. Uh, it, it has to cross over to something else that's very similar to the king of Tyre. In this case, I think Satan. So uh, that's kind of where I am, but... Plus, it's cast down from the mountain of God is another thing that I don't think would happen to the king of Tyre. All right, Stacy. When Jesus was in the desert, he was tempted by Satan, saying that if you will worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And when you read in Revelation uh, chapter 17... He talks about, starting in verse 12, The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. And then in, uh, we skip down just a little bit, uh, verse 17 says, For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose, by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until the words until God's words are fulfilled and so there are kings that are granted authority by God to be king whatever that means whether it's their their spirit their strength their charisma their the you know God raised up David why because he did he he he, because that's because that's the sovereignty of God. So, for whatever reason, there are men that are given authority to be great rulers, and it says here that at least some of them are going to take their authority to rule and hand it over to the beast, mm-hmm. like Jesus was tempted to do. If you'll right. just do things my way, if you will, mm-hmm. if you will worship me, I will give you the entire world and everything in it. And so when, we, when you read about the king of Tyre, it's not surprising to me that really he's a puppet of somebody behind him. 
Right, and so it doesn't surprise me that starting out talking about the king of Tyre quickly shifts to uh, Satan, who is actually, you know, running the show. Yeah, right. Very good. Thank you. Uh, While we have time, let's flip over to Isaiah 14. Here's another king. In this case, it's uh, the king of Babylon. Now, I can say that Nebuchadnezzar, you may recall, one morning is walking along the wall of his palace. Do you remember what he was talking about that morning, that fateful morning where he was quite impressed with his handiwork? Anybody recall? I've done this. Look at this magnificent city. You know, I've done all this, and I'm wonderful. Wow, look at me. I'm the most powerful ruler in the world. And because of his pride, God did what? Who remembers to Nebuchadnezzar? A little, little Bible trivia. He basically went insane, went out into the wilderness and crawled around on all fours. Yeah, he ate grass, and his hair grew long, and he had long fingernails, and, and that was, a, I think it was called seven periods. We don't know if that was years, probably seven years. or Anyway, he regained his sanity again. He, he humbled himself, came back to his senses, and acknowledged God, and God let him be king again for a little while. That was real interesting, but what caused him to lose his sanity was his pride, So in this case, we see another uh, condemnation of a king of Babylon, Isaiah 14, verse 12. And so you can go back to the beginning of the chapter and look at the condemnation of Babylon. But specifically, I think we're seeing another one of these literary styles called personification, where in the midst of the condemnation of the king of Babylon, we see another reference to the devil. How do we know that? Verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Verse 15, what happened? But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. So he goes from extreme arrogance and pride to being thrown down. So again, a a good chance this is a personification in reference to Satan himself. All right. Comments, questions? Yes, Glenn. Still comes down. I'm a firm believer in making things as patently clear and simple as you can make them. And it comes in three forms. I know I sound like a broken record. So often we get so caught up in this man's hubris, this king so-and-so, or this king so-and-so, and this one, and 15 kings before him. What brought them all down? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. life, Lump them all into one big old nasty ball, and that's what it is. And that's Satan's tool and trade, and that's the way he gets to us. That's the way he has got to man 
from the time that, that God allowed him to tempt us. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's talk for just a minute. We've got maybe four or five minutes before our class needs to wind up. But let's talk about how Satan can be so persuasive. Here you are, a beautiful, magnificent angel, just a beauty to behold, created by God up in heaven in the perfection of heaven with other angels praising God. And all of a sudden, one day, Satan says to a fellow angel, what? How did this all start? Hey, this God up here, he's pretty incredible. Yeah, he, he's, he's wonderful. Yeah, but have you looked at me lately? Wow. Well, yeah, you're impressive. You're, you're beautiful, but you're not God. Oh, but I, I could be. <laughs> All of a sudden, he plants this little seed of doubt. I could be God. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to be my number one person, you know, directly under my command? I'd make sure you get the recognition you deserve if you were to follow me. And so, just like he started talking to Eve, you know, did God really say, did he, did he really mean that? Then he told an outright lie, you know, you won't die. No, you're not going to die. God just told you that. He wants to keep you under his thumb, Eve. And so that's how Satan begins to work. He creates doubt. He begins to whisper and appeal to vanity, right? Don't you want to become like God? You're just a created angel, but God gets to sit on that throne every day. Wouldn't you like to be up there on that throne with me? Oh, Wouldn't it be glorious? (laughs) Well, it it would be interesting, you know. There's a good chance that that first angel that Satan spoke to, that thought had never entered his mind until that day. And he planted the seed of discontent, pride. Satan might have even built him up a little bit. But look how beautiful you are. Do you get the recognition you deserve? Or do you spend all day praising God? You're beautiful. Just like me. Can you see how that would start? And two angels talk to three angels, and three angels, four angels, four angels, five angels. All of a sudden, they're having these meetings. Hey, we can do this. We can pull this off. We can usurp God and become God ourselves. I don't know what the angel battle was like. I don't know what archangels look like when they fight each other, but God won and Satan lost. And that's something we need to remember as we bring our class to a close tonight, is God is always more powerful. And that's where I basically have a problem with this idea of dualism. Dualism basically says that there's an equal power of evil and an equal power of good that has always been together. I say no The Bible says God has always been good, and God is love, and God is perfect. And God created free will, and from the free will, pride grew in a disobedient angel who became Satan. John? I don't know about you, but I want to go to God's heaven, not the devil's heaven. Amen. 
Amen to that. Yeah, can't disagree. Any thoughts or comments as we bring our class to a close? Yes. You can get out on the street of Nashville, which he worked up there in the place where he knew this happened. You can preach any religion, gospel, anything you want to preach, and said people will start gathering around you to hit, to listen. Yeah. And he said, out of that bunch, some of them will believe you mm-hmm. that never have heard the truth. He said, people will stop and listen to you no matter what you're preaching. And he said, the bad thing about it is some of them will believe what you're saying. That's right. Yeah, that's how cults get started. Very persuasive, powerful speakers. Warren? On the question of uh, once you're in heaven, can you mess up and and leave? I, I think of the rich man and Lazarus. And I don't know if that refers to the Hadean world or if were the or is this reference of heaven, right? Where there's a great gulf and uh, there right. cannot be any passing either way, right? Inseparable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it poses a perplexing um, thought that I can't definitively answer. I have my own opinions, but uh, something to think and study about. Paul, I mentioned. Uh, Earlier, Paul mentioned, I fought the fight. I've kept the faith. Now there's a crown laid up for me. I don't think Paul ever envisioned that crown maybe being taken away or at risk um, or maybe someone else's crown being taken away, but it's an interesting concept, interesting thought. All right. Well, we will... uh, We'll continue this discussion next week. We'll wind up with some summary thoughts on angels. And um, so, again, be thinking about a topic you'd like to study as we start. Uh, I've, I've had parables suggested that maybe that would be a good topic to think about. So if I don't get any other thoughts, we may just jump into parables and do parables for a while. So appreciate your comments tonight. Tonight, our invitation song is Who at the Door is Standing, uh, Patiently Waiting Near. Entrance is then when demanding. Whose is the voice I hear? Um, the idea is that Jesus is, is basically knocking. He's standing. He's asking to gain access into your heart. And, you know, it's interesting as we go through life, you, you basically have another person at your door also trying to gain access, and that is Satan. Most of the world are going to listen to Satan open the door and allow him to come in and occupy their heart and their mind. But Jesus uh, asked us to deny self, uh, to yield to him, to follow his example, and he'll offer us eternal life. So it's it's a wonderful proposition, but one very few accept. So 596 is our invitation tonight. We ask you to think about your spiritual walk, your spiritual life. And uh, if you need to respond tonight, we certainly always invite you 
to let Jesus come into your heart and let him uh, in, but you have to open the door. Jesus is standing. Let's stand and sing together. Who at the door is standing, patiently drawing near, in trust within demanding, whose is the voice I hear? Sweetly the tongues are falling, open the door for me. My calling, I will abide with thee all through the dark hours dreary. Knocking again is he, Jesus, art thou not weary, waiting so long for me? Sweetly the tongues are falling, open the door for me, if thou will heed my calling, I will abide with thee, door of my heart I hasten, thee will I with me abide. Sweetly the tongues are falling, open the door for me, if thou will heed my calling, I will abide with thee. Be seated please. Anybody do a count tonight? I know Brian usually does that. He's not here tonight. So somebody do that for us. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. We heard that Sydney Pride had knee surgery, and uh, that's an update on our sick. And also, just keep the Holt family in mind, I had a lengthy talk with Susan today, so she's having... uh, a challenge, obviously, with Miss Margie and, um, and Marvin's absence, so just keep that family in, in prayer. Caitlin Wallace is scheduled to have her baby tomorrow. Which hospital will she be in? Okay, Midtown. All right. Um, Brandon and Katie Kleinard, um, they lost their infant daughter, Randy Gale, this week. Uh, they're members of the Stroudsville community. Her arrangements are visitation Friday, 10 to 12.30 at Austin Bell Funeral Home, Pleasant View. There's a public grayside service at the home of Randy and Patty Davis at 1 p.m. There'll be a meal for the family following the service at Brandon's shop. Uh, you can see Joanne Shepard for more information. So keep Brandon and Katie Kleinard. Uh, Adam's going to be doing our prayer in just a moment. 
The Ladies' Sewing Group will meet tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Men's Prayer Breakfast is coming Saturday at 8 a.m. I've had several people sign up for food, so we invite all of our men to come. We're going to feed you and look forward to having you at 8 o'clock. Breakfast is provided. There's a fall canvas painting for ladies and girls 6th grade and up. That's this Saturday, 5.30 p.m. potluck. Or 5.30 potluck with painting to begin at 6.30 p.m. Cost is 5. Bible bowl practice this Sunday. Eriwadutivo starts this Sunday at Stroudsville at 5 p.m. We will provide pizza. We need chips, desserts, drinks for the meal. Looking forward to our theme this year called Heavy. We'll be talking about topics that young people have to deal with. Sycamore Chapel has a homecoming September 18. There's a flyer in the foyer. Lawwood Christian Camp, they have a fall retreat in grades 7 through 12. And uh, that's coming up this weekend, right? We appreciate Noah and uh, being the director. You can register online at lawwood.org, and there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Hillcrest Fall Youth Retreat, September 23 through 25, $30. Sign-up sheet on the Youth Bulletin Board. Ladies Devo is Tuesday, September 27 at 6.30 p.m. at Shannon Garrett's house. They're gathering uh, items for the prison ministry. Look over the list posted in the carrying corner for those items. What's our count tonight? 80. Okay, thank you. Uh, no, I don't think we knew about that. September 24th, a ladies' day at Trenton Crossing. Healing hands. Okay, very good. Yeah. Yes, Jim? Yeah, Bill will be coming to a local nursing home in Clarksville. I just got a message from BJ, and she says that they're thinking he will be at Signature Healthcare. That's the one on Farmers Road, just down from FNM Bank. And uh, he should be there sometime tomorrow, maybe tomorrow afternoon. So I got a call from Bill yesterday. He sounded really good, sounded like himself. And as far as I know, Bill still does not have use of his arm or legs, so we need to pray about that, Adam, that God will allow him to begin using those limbs, uh, and maybe he can be mobile. So any other announcements, family news, updates, information, prayer requests? Yes. Uh huh. Roy and Carolyn? They, yeah, they've been sojourning and traveling, and they're back, and glad to have them. Did y'all enjoy your, your time away? I know you missed us. Yeah. You watched us. Okay, great. Good to have you back. Glad you returned safely. So, yes. Finger food. Okay. So make the dessert something you can pick up. Don't need to have a spoon or fork. That's a good idea. I like that. Okay. Thank you. Yes, sir. Oh. You said her name is Miller? A friend of Miss Miller. Okay. 
Did you get that, Adam? Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, just uh, the old devil. We're, we're struggling with that old devil every day and terrible things happening, and I sure look forward to heaven. That'll be great. All right, any other announcements, comments? Yeah. Yeah, just keep praying for Margie. Yeah, Margie went to see her doctor today. Susan took her, so Susan's going to be making some decisions about her care and uh, in the absence of Marvin. Thank you, Lisa. All right, anything else, family news? If not, uh, we'll turn it over to Adam, and he'll dismiss us, and uh, thank you for writing that list down. Let us go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we, we want to take this time to tell you how awesome you are, Father, that we know that it's that you give us a lot of gifts in life, and we thank you for those blessings and opportunities, and uh, we thank you for that, Father. We know that you're there when we need you. You're the one we can go to, and, and there's no other... There's a lot of folks that have religion, Father, but they don't have someone they can go directly to like we have with you, Father, through your Son. And Father, at this time, we want to ask that you be with some special folks that really mean a lot to hear us here at Stroudsville, and that's the, the Holt family, Lord. Miss Margie, as she's going through this changing uh, changes in life, Father, we ask that you'll be with them and, and keep your arms around her and, and, and those that make the decisions for her that it'll be a, a, an easy time and that it'll pass quickly for them, Father, that they can make that transition. And we ask that you be with the Wallace as they, Wallace family as they welcome their uh, new baby tomorrow. Father, we ask that everything will go smoothly, that you'll be with the family and keep the stress level down. We know that's a stressful time. Uh, we also ask that you be with the Kleinard family as they uh, later rest their little one we ask that you you wrap your arms around that family and and help them that to understand that through it all that you have a plan and as tough as it is we don't understand it with our, with our finite minds but that you have a plan and father we ask that you be with our, our friend uh bill young father we ask that we ask that we ask that you show us what your power is and that you, you, you heal him and restore him to his health that we can, we can have him back with us and that he can serve again in your kingdom. And Father, we ask that you be with a, a, a local family, a lady by the name of Cassidy, having to make some decisions and take on some responsibilities. And Father, we ask that you just be with that family through this tragic time. And we ask that you be with us all as we go through each day, that you'll give us opportunities to reach out, Father, and that we'll take you, make use of those opportunities. And we thank you for the sending of your Son to die on the cross that, we'll have, that we can have forgiveness of sins. And it's in your Son's great and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Adam. You want the